everyone. Welcome back to the Coivecast. Um, I'm recording this intro after I've recorded the episode. I always do that. That's generally my plan. Um, I'm not really going to say anything, to be honest, because the intro I had planned, I pretty much covered in the podcast, to be honest. There was loads of questions. Thank you very, very much for getting them all in. Um, I answered as many as I could. And some of them I answer in 30 seconds. Some of them I answer in considerably longer <laughs> but it pretty much covers everything that's off the top of my head uh that has been on my mind um certainly since friday the friday before and particularly um in the last few days um when you know the, the, the sky's falling isn't it um maybe not maybe it is you can kind of make your own mind up can't you um yeah questions are coming thank you very much for listening and uh enjoy Right then, let's get into your questions. Um, Brandon Woodhead, first and foremost. Um, what championship away day are you looking forward to for next year? <laughs> uh, this is probably going to be a running theme, I think, in terms of kind of looking ahead to, to next season. Um, I'll answer it as you as you want me to answer it, I guess. Uh, the answer is to lose, by the way. The answer is absolutely to lose if the worst should happen and we do go down. It, it's definitely to lose, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know what other away day you'd you'd be genuinely excited to go to. There'd be a few, which you know, we've not played there for a very long time, so there's, there's a few grounds up and down which are you know, for historic reasons, um, you wouldn't mind going to. But yeah, to lose would be a fantastic away day, and um, hopefully we get that uh, in Super League next year. To be honest, that would be uh, my preference for sure. Um, did Catalans this year? That's great. Also, I'm sure many of you done Catalans many, many times. I've done it a couple of times. Um, I, I believe Toulouse the step up. So Toulouse would definitely be the away day next year. Uh, I, I'd be looking at um, it would just our luck we draw in February, obviously. But there we are. Um, thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. Um, it doesn't matter. We're not going to have a championship away day. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Jack Westland. Do you honestly believe we will stay up? Simple and straightforward. Um, yes, believe it or not, because why else would I be doing a podcast like this? Do I honestly believe we will? Well, we will stay up is a, <laughs> a tricky one. Uh, the, the easier question to answer is, do you honestly believe we can stay up? Um, to which, yes, absolutely. I do believe we can stay up for sure. I still believe this group of players we've got is better than the group of players Wakefield have. I'm, I'm beyond confident of that. Um, they have the momentum, for sure, um, which has been the real kind of... That's, that's the real change over the last couple of weeks, um, which has driven driven so much um, and, you know, caused this kind of... Well, the kind of state we're in at the moment as a, as a fan base, or at least parts of the fan base are in. Um, but it, are we a better team than Wakefield? Yeah. Yeah, I think we are. Can we beat them at their place on the 18th? Yes, yes, we can beat them. We've already beat them once this season. Um, momentum's tough. It's just there riding the crest of the wave at the moment. And, you know, there is a little bit of hope. We just kind of have to hope that that wave doesn't last forever. Do you know what? I said this to someone the other day. If they really do go on a run and just win, you know, seven or eight games now with nine left, you kind of have to hold your hands up at that point. You just go, well, that would be an absolute miracle if Mark Applegarth can pull that off without an assistant coach as well, since Ford moved on, 
if Alpagarf can get that group of players to win, you know, if they ended up with something like, I don't know, 18 points, 16, 18 points, that would be unbelievable. That would be one of the greatest stories in Super League history. And you've got you've got to look at that and just go, well, I, I don't know what we could have done. Uh, and that is in that instance, certainly not with the squad we've got. I, I don't think that'll happen. I, I really don't think they're going to be that. This momentum is not going to last forever. You know, they're going to move out Gale for a few weeks now as well, which is obviously a bit of a blow for them. That squad, it, we're only a few weeks removed from some of the worst performances in Super League history. You know, it's still the same group of players. Everyone can go on along the crest of the wave. We we did, we've done it to a certain extent. Albeit there have been more ripples than waves. Uh, Magic Weekend, obviously the Warrington game. We've had as moments they've just managed to drag out a couple in a row. That's all. Um, so can we stand up? Yeah, 100%. I, I would just add that I think goes without saying this next, well, it's not a month, but kind of this next four games. Um, what well, is a month, I guess. This run of kind of the next four or five games is, is just absolutely massive. I mean, this is this is the year, isn't it, uh, really? These kind of next four games. We go to Hull twice. We play Hull FC this weekend. We play Hull KR after that, uh, although there is a week gap in between. Um, we then play Huddersfield at home, which is, I mean, it has to be one, even though they went to Catalan and did that at the weekend. It's still one you've got to have circled with with how they've been going. And then obviously there's the big game at Bellevue on the 18th. Um, it doesn't get any bigger than that because our run isn't easy after that either. Although there's always that at the end of the season where we will run into big teams, but we will run into big teams that are already securing the playoff spots and therefore will have to look after themselves a little bit. Uh, so there might be a little bit of resting as we go into the kind of the final couple of weeks. And I guess one of the aces in the hole we've got is obviously our final our final game of the season, which is Headingley, <laughs> which if things really went south, like many of you believe it will, um, and I don't know how you sleep at night thinking about this, but there is the potential of going down at Headingley, but at the same time, there's the potential of going to Headingley against a team we've beat uh, a couple of times this year and they've got the number of, and you know that could be the one that, I mean, what a day that would be. What a day that would be if we went to Headingley with needing a couple of points or, you know, that that would be some day. Uh, there's the potential for that to be the worst day ever or one of the very, very best away days as well. So this next few weeks is huge. This next few weeks is huge. And, and the thing is, they're winnable. Um, there are winnable games in those four. You know, anytime you're looking at a team in the bottom half, you've got to go, well, there's every opportunity. I'll look at Hull FC this Saturday. I don't know who watched Hull Derby on Sunday, but that was awful. It was an awful game. I think there's been, I think on the whole in Super League this year, there's been a, a decent standard. I think it's been a, it's been a big uptick from last year. I think there's been some great, great games, great entertainment on Friday nights particularly. Um, but there's been some proper stinkers as well. And the whole derby for all the kind of, I mean, it was a, it was a sellout, the pitching, uh, pigeon detectives on before and all that. Um, it, was a, it was a car crash of a rugby game. I mean, the completion rates were terrible, errors all over the shop. Um, but at the same time, because of the nature of the game, nature of the tackling, there'll be some battered bodies there and we've got an extra day, uh, an extra two days, in fact, uh, recovery on top of on top of Hull FC. So you look at Hull FC this week and just go, that's a game where you can target and you go, we're not a million miles off them. Um, you know, first game of the season, I'm sure we all remember that. Probably should have won that game. Awful first half, much, much, but better second half. Um, and in the cup, we, we were much changed and we were probably never going to win a game with the squad we put out. But there was even flashes in there where we were a million miles away. We just obviously lacked pace and that squad was always up against it. But you'd look at Hull and you go, maybe there's a potential there for sure. 
they're also going to be a little bit knocked because I think literally in the last 10, 15 minutes before I started recording, um, Jake Clifford is not going to be at the club next year. So he's literally played half a season essentially and already moved on. Um, so in the back of their minds, as they kind of look at projects, they're going to be thinking, well, looks like we're building something here and all of a sudden kind of their main component that is leaving. So morale could be an issue. Um, I look at Hull and I go, that's, that's a winnable game on Saturday. It has to be. Then you've got Hull KR two weeks after. The reason it's two weeks after is because they're in the Cup semi-finals. So they're playing Wigan in you know the biggest game in Hull KR's recent history. Um, since the Super League semi-final, you probably say, uh, against Catalans. So, you know, battered bodies there. Again, another week's break for us to kind of get some bodies back, potentially at least get um, as healthy as possible going to that one. And clearly you can target that. Why not? Why not? Um, Huddersfield. Huddersfield have been poor. Huddersfield have been really, really poor again. And they go with the Catalans and <laughs> pick up that win. It's a topsy-turvy league sometimes. Again, a potential there, um, mainly because it's at home. Uh, you've got to try and pick up those uh, those home games when you can. And that's what we've been best at this year, obviously. Um, and then Wakefield. And then Wakefield. We, we have to win at least one game on the road this year. It has to be that one if we're only going to win one. Um, but there is potential to win a couple there. And if we can pick up, I really do believe, and, you know, famous last words, you can clip this up and send it to me at the end of the season while I'm crying and having a mental breakdown. But if we can pick up three wins for the rest of the season, uh, as long as one of them's Wakefield, uh, I think we stay up. Uh, I think we stay up. I don't want to say comfortably, but we'll stay up in that instance. There is an opportunity to pick up at least two of those crucial wins in the next four games for sure and even a potential to knock them all off. And the reason why I've got even some faith I can pick up those games is the meltdown of this week really is due to Wakefield. It's not due to us. It's due to Wakefield. And I'll speak to the people who went to St. Helens. I'll speak to the people who went to the Lee game. That's not as bad as we've been this year by any stretch. They're some of our better performances this season, I would even say, which look, isn't saying much. We're 11th, we've won four games. You know, clearly they're not incredible displays because as we've discussed many, many times before, the squad literally isn't up to that. But if you can't see, there's been some progression from where we were a few months ago when you look at St. Allen's and when you look at that Lee performance at, at I don't know if rugby league is the spot for you because there is clear, clear improvements there. St. Ellen's first and foremost, it's away at St. Ellen's. We've won once there in Super League history. It's, you know, it's terrible conditions. I don't know if anyone goes there that night, especially when they were kind of hurting off the loss against Hull as well. I don't know anyone goes there and wins. I really don't. We've literally only beat St. Ellen's 10 times in the history of Super League. I mean... It's one of the toughest assignments we've got. It's never good to not put a point on the board. Don't get me wrong. That's disappointing. They beat us by 22. The bookmakers had it at 20. So, okay. You'd say we're a little bit below par if you look at them that way. But there were some positives. There were some real positives come from St. Ellen's performance. I think that we really dug in. Although we conceded 22 points, we could, we had they had a hell of a lot more possession than that and could have made it a heck of a lot worse. So... You, you almost get a pass on that one. I don't think anyone was truly expecting to go to St. Helens and win a game. And I think many probably expect it to be worse. And then you look at Lee last week and you'd say, we probably have a bit of a complex in the sense that it's very easy to say, oh, Lee should never come to Castle and win a game like that. I get it. Historically, absolutely not. This is not a side 
that has ever given us real trouble in the last few years. You know, I remember when they played the first game of the 2017 season against us, and we absolutely battered them at the home at home. Um, likewise, away, you know, the recent history against Lee favours us considerably. Obviously, they've been a championship team; they've been up and down. Again, anyone who's looking at Lee Leppers this year and saying that's a usual Lee team. I don't know what to tell you. That is a very, very, very good rugby league team. I would say Lee Leopards. They're probably one of the most impressive I've seen at the jungle this year. Uh, I think Warrington, probably when they beat us the first time, were very, very good. I think Wigan in the second half early in the season as well were excellent. Um, Lee are right up there. That performance from Lee was right up there. And I don't even think that was them at the best either. Um, the way they, they, they built um, the way they built the middle, the way they used the offload, I think Lock and Lamb was brilliant. Um, they're a very, very good side, and we mixed it. And I, I thought we mixed it for large parts. We weren't great. We weren't, we, like I say, we're not going to be great. We're not going to be great all year. We've just got to be good enough in certain instances, and we've got to pick us games. Lee, in the form they were in, the second in the league, I, I said that I said at the game, I said after the game, I'm really not going to be surprised if Lee Leopards win something this year. Um, they're in the semi finals of the cup, they're right up there in terms of the league, as I say. Um, I think they actually play Catalans the same uh, weekend as we play Wakefield. Currently, that's first versus second. And you wouldn't, I wouldn't want to back against a, a grand final or at least a semi final between those two in Super League this year. There's a real opportunity there. And it would almost be nice to see a team like Lee get in that situation. Um, yeah, I mean, the meltdown is because of Wakefield. The meltdown is because of what Wakefield did at Wigan, which you almost have to hold your hands up and go, I don't know where that came from. Um, and fair play. To, to a certain degree. I mean, Will Dagger looks phenomenal all of a sudden. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers when Will Dagger made his debut against Cass down the lane. He was dreadful. <laughs> he was really poor. Um, I always thought he was a bit of a player in there, but certainly not the player that is he's currently turning out for Wakefield. So it's difficult. It's really, really difficult. But I really don't think our recent performances kind of warrant what's going on at the moment to, to a great degree. At the same time, I completely understand where the fear is coming from, but the fear is coming from Wakefield. Um, not so much ourselves at the moment is my honest take on this. And look, many of it, some of you might just turn off me saying that, which is absolutely fair enough, crack on. But that's how I really feel about it. And the reason I can feel about that is because I've seen this coming. I mean, I, it's easy for me to say I told you so <laughs> in the beginning of this season, really, because, I mean, a lot of you enjoyed episode one. Episode one kind of, laid this out really it was never going to get considerably better this year because I mean who on earth do you bring in to actually kind of rejuvenate this side and this side is ultimately the process is ultimately the accumulation of a few years of mismanagement not necessarily this year um if you haven't listened to episode one I'm sure you have but if you haven't go back um in terms of bringing people in I might answer that right now uh because I'll answer that on future questions uh I feel like I've done 20 minutes on your question Jack but um yeah I do believe we can stay up I believe we will stay up. Yes, because I'm a Casper Tiger supporter. And I don't know how you could possibly listen to this and not just hating yourself and smashing your head against the wall if you don't believe we can stay up. If you don't believe we can if you don't believe we will stay up this year at this point with nine games to go, two points clear, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I understand it's hard. I understand this is probably the hardest it's been all year to think that. You have to. That's sport, isn't it? That's supporting a tie. That's supporting a side. That's believing when you've got no right to believe. And we've got more right to believe than certainly wait for that a few weeks ago. Um, so, yes. Yes, I do believe we will stay up. Next question. 
which is quite a funny one, really, in hindsight. Uh, Nathan Godfrey, thank you very much. Uh, which of the current squad do you think will stay when we get relegated? If we get relegated, Nathan. If. Um, good question, though, I guess, although I don't really want to think about it. Uh, I'd imagine a fair few of the kids will. Certainly not. I mean, you're probably looking at there might be some poaching going on in terms of Jason Gary Gary, potentially. But you'd like to hope that some of the kids in there, Sam Halls, your Brad Martins, uh, would hang around or we'd still be able, we'd still be able to keep those, obviously, with the, with the promise of, clearly, um, regular rugby, maybe even the 8th and 10th shirt, who knows. Um, it's a very difficult question to answer. I must admit, mainly because I don't really know the contract situations. I don't know what would happen to contracts should we go down. I don't know if there's kind of clauses in there, etc. Um, it would have to be a changed squad, though, obviously, because our current squad would be above the championship cap. So we'd have to reduce in some areas. What I would say is that we currently run a squad of, what, 41 players, I think. Um, I don't know how you could do that below 1.4 million. Um, so I think the squad would naturally reduce. So I think the vast majority of people off contract uh, would, would be gone. Um, one consideration, like Joe Westerman, for example, I'm sure from, from his, you know, he's a cast lad, he'd probably want to be part of the, the, the team that kind of broadcast back up uh, in time for 2025 and all that. Um, she would be able to do so, but at the same time, he's very much a Super League caliber 13. So, would be more beneficial beneficial for players like that to have a year in Super League, particularly towards the back end of his career, probably. Um, it's a very difficult question to answer, Nathan, to be fair, and it would probably worth podcasting itself, although I hope I never do that episode because that means the worst has happened again. So <laughs> thank you very much, but a tricky one, a tricky one. Uh, Elliot Williamson, if you could go back to the end of 2017 and change one thing we've done, what would it be? Oh dear. Um, I would probably just cop out that question, to be honest. It's a great question, Elliot. Thank you very much. I would suggest just kind of listen to episode one again, because I think I covered it and don't get me wrong, it took me about an hour to get there. But there probably is not one such thing you changed. I think there was a, a number of things. Um, so from a, from a kind of practical kind of club point of view, I'd, go, I'd literally just go back to the episode and listen to what I said there, because obviously it all kind of still applies. Um, one thing I'd love to change is kind of within the fan base, which is impossible because, it, you know, it's just one of those things. It's a byproduct of success or what we regard as, as success that year is just expectation, general expectation. You know, all, all of a sudden we went from, you know, plucky old casts to this side that, you know, needs to be in the top three every year. And, you know, with budgets and the size of the club we are and the ground we've got and all that kind of thing, it was never going to be kind of realistic that we were going to be in that upper echelon for so, so many years. So um, so we probably felt this decline this year even worse than we would have done. Um, realistically, we are set up as a club to be a kind of mid-table Super League club, I would say. You're never going to be mid-table every year. Ask Warrington Wolves last year. They were 11th, you know. Look what happened to Warrington last year. Look what happened to the fan base. Ali was probably very lucky to, to keep his job that year um, and probably only did because it was his first year. It was cataclysmic when they came 11th. It kind of feels cataclysmic to us now we're in that situation as well, but it, I'm not saying it shouldn't. Like we, we hate the idea of relegation, don't get me wrong, and I think the, the kind of fragile nature of rugby makes it worse. But, yeah, the expectation that was put on the, on the club post-2017 was quite extreme to be honest and I think that probably did have an effect on 
decision making when we talk about kind of contracts and the kind of players we brought in and you know there was probably a little bit of appeasing going on because you know we had this kind of new fan base and there was more fans that turned up let's be honest who would never and then all of a sudden in kind of 2018 2019 you probably had two or three thousand cast fans turned up every week who would never known anything but winning so when things do get a little rougher because that's sport that's what happens you know they're not too happy about it which is you know it's one of those things. It's one of those things. Again, it's a byproduct of success. But um, if you could, if we could have just limited uh, the general expectation, just kind of educated the fan base on where we kind of were, um, yeah, that, that might have helped a little bit, I suppose. Um, thank you for the question earlier. And like I say, probably episode one covers it in far, far more detail. Um, Ellis Jones at Cast Faithful. How will our recruitment be affected if we go down? Um, you've used if. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ellis. It's still not great that we have to ask this question, but I appreciate if instead of when. Um, how will our recruitment be affected? Similar to the retention question uh, from Nathan, to be fair. Very difficult to say. Um, as I say, the salary cap will reduce considerably. I think it goes from 2.1 million to... It's either 1.4 or 1.2. I think it's 1.4 million, uh, but don't quote me on that. So naturally, there's kind of 700 grand worth of cap space, which has to be accounted for there. So the recruitment, how will our recruitment be affected? It'll be affected by retention, crucially. I mean, we'll we just have to look at who we've got left, who, who's willing to stick around, who's willing to arguably take a pay cut in some instances. Um, and then you kind of take it from there. Naturally, you're not going to be picking up you know, high-caliber Super League players or players from abroad in that instance. Um, I do think we wouldn't find it too difficult to find a team that would be very, very, very competitive in the championship and be able to come back up. Uh, I do think that's likely, to be honest. Uh, I, I do think if, in this instance, we were a championship club last year, next year, I wouldn't fear for us. Um, but yeah, we, we won't be bringing superstars in by any means. Um, and yeah, in terms of bringing people in from abroad, I think another question later on kind of deals with this, actually. Um so I'll answer it there. But thank you very much, Alice. Appreciate that. Steve McNichol, Cast Ruby Shirts. Thank you very much. This is something a little bit different, um, which is nice <laughs> because uh, there is a trend with these questions, isn't there? Um, given the IMG criteria, so this is a whole kind of worms, should the club move to a temporary home, e.g. Doncaster? I think Steve is very keen on the idea of potentially moving to um, the Keepmo. I don't know if it's still called the Keepmo, but it's the Keepmo. Um, or something like that. While Weldon Road is redeveloped, if it came down to it, would you prefer lower league rugby, uh, lower league RL at Weldon Road, or Super League at Doncaster in twenty twenty five? Personally, I do like I I I like the idea of staying at home. Uh, I I do, even if it meant. A season down there is my gut, but I do think there's probably two ways to look at this question, and I, I think there's two kind of kinds of cast fan as well. I think it's very, it's probably a little bit easier for non-cast living folk to say, "Yeah, we go to Doncaster, or go to York, or one of those places." Um, I think cast fans outside of cast probably wouldn't find too much of an issue with this probably a little bit more difficult when you're from cast as I, as I have, I've lived here for 25 years and it's difficult to, it's difficult to even imagine cast outside of, outside of world and road, to be honest. Um, but 
you know, if that was going to be the difference between being in, you know, the Super League or whatever it'll be called in 2025, it'd have to be considered. It would have to be considered. Obviously, the, the long-term aim would always have to be a return to Weldon Road. And obviously, the, the ongoing kind of development is is crucial to all that. Um, something that's worth stating as well with the IMG, IMG criteria, obviously, it was a big talking point last week. I did consider doing a whole episode on it. Uh, but I want to wait for a guest before I do that because I will genuinely go mad if I talk about that for too long. Um, the thing I've read, and there was a lot of kind of, you know, fear-mongering and stuff last week, and clearly from those currently in the championship, they want to find ways to get championship clubs in uh, as opposed to the current Super League clubs. My viewing of what IMG are proposing for 2025 is currently, as we stand in terms of the points we get, we would be, as Mark Grattan said, we'd be somewhere between kind of eight and 10. And obviously the top 12 in terms of their point system would be in Super League in 2025. Um, but it would be a little touch and go. I won't lie. It'd be pretty close. It'd be pretty close. And it would only take a championship club to probably have two years of really good success on and off the field to, you know, kind of trouble us and some of those teams like Salford and Lee, for example, down there. Um, one thing I do think they're looking at it is... It's always been the thing, hasn't it? If we can get that stand built, I think we're fine long term. I, I really do. I, I think I think we're fine for at least the next five, ten years for sure. And obviously, when the stands up, there's no telling how much uh, improvements elsewhere we can make. Obviously, you're talking uh, lots more corporate money. You're talking more hospitality for the week. Um, you know, the, the club will generally be more cash rich when they have the stand. Um, so I'm sure we can make those improvements as well and just kind of keep up with everyone else. But the, the ground is so, so important to it. And like I say, I think we will be in in 2025. And I, I dare say as well, even if we go down this year, I still think we'll be in in 2025. I, I do. It'll be, it'll be closer. It will be closer, but I still think we've got a good chance of going in. And I know that might sound mad to some people and I appreciate that, but it's something Michael Carter said actually on, on Sky Sports. And everyone kind of turned their nose up it kind of three or four months ago. Um, but I don't think he was a million miles away uh, when Michael Carter said Wakefield would potentially even be, you know, would even benefit from uh, a season down the championship and, you know, maybe not splashing all the cash in order to keep up. Um, but actually, they did actually formulate enough points in the championship by winning the championship, by winning the championship grand final, the 1895 Cup, whatever. You can actually get a fair bit of points down there, plus obviously all, all the other off-field off stuff, plus the financials would obviously have saved a bit of cash. Um, there is actually a route that way as well. So it's not, you know, if we go down this year, it's not, we're not dead and buried as a club. That, that's not the case. Um, certainly not while we've got, and this, this will upset a few, certainly not while we've got a stable ownership, which a lot of clubs do not have. You know, say what you want about our ownership, it is stable. Um, that is crucial to being able to, to actually kind of build again and, and have another go. It's what ruined Bradford. It's what ruined so many, so many clubs. We don't have that. Um so, yeah, we're not dead and buried if we go down. Um, and in terms of kind of answering the question again, the ground is so, so, so important. The ground will secure the future for the next 10, 15, 20, 25 years. If wheels got in motion um, with the development and, you know, we kind of got that planning permission kind of sorted this year, uh, this calendar year, on the next few months even, um, and we knew for a fact there'd be spades in the ground soon and we'd be looking at kind of 2026. Um, if we were looking at 2026 as a move-in to the new stand, would we accept 
a year at Doncaster at 2025 to stay in Super League and just kind of kind of make sure the team is is uh, up to scratch when you move back in in 2026 because obviously you'd have to kind of rebuild again with the with the different salary caps. I, I don't love it. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I don't love it. But would it be a necessary evil? Probably. Yeah. Pro- probably it would be. Um, I'd suggest York to be honest. I think York is probably a little bit more accessible if anything uh, to a fair few and also would. Um, Although Doncaster, obviously South Yorkshire, got a similar thing. You know, we do have quite a big following in North Yorkshire as well, so that would probably help things a little bit because naturally attendances would drop considerably. But assuming we can stay above about three thousand, um, would be all right. And I think quite a few travelling cast fans would go to York, and yeah, it's a little bit more accessible. So I, I prefer that over Doncaster. But um, yeah, it, it'd have to be a necessary evil, I think. But as I say, I, I don't necessarily love it. Although it is a good idea, Steve. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, okay, Macaulay, 2009, your regular question um, question sender. Thank you very much. Uh, in your opinion, what is one thing which could help us stay up? Um, win some games, <laughs> Macaulay. Uh, win two or three of the next four games would do it. And as I say, I don't think the team is as a million miles away as people are saying, but there we are. But naturally, um, you know, a couple of signings would, would not go amiss. At this point, it certainly can't harm. The cash is there. Um, it's just making sure we're getting people through who actually want to play for the club. And the fact of the matter there is, you know, the players of a certain standard which would actually help us maybe don't want to play for the club right now. Um, I've talked about it multiple times in this podcast. It's very, very difficult. Um, the pool we could look at is players we've already signed for next season. That is a route. I mean, obviously, much talk about Josh Griffin going to Wakefield. The only reason why that's happened now is because we believe Josh Griffin had signed for Wakefield next season. So it's just kind of a... Um, it's almost like an Alex Meller deal, uh, in a way. Alex Meller had obviously signed for us for a couple of years, but joined us early. It's that kind of thing. We reckon we have four names nailed down for next season. So there is a little bit of a route there. However, that comes with complications as well. Um with Jordan Turner now down until the back end of the season, that is that is a real blow. Centre is an obvious one we have to look at. Sam Wood would have been perfect. Uh, Centre winger, unfortunately, he's injured for the next four or five months, so he's out of it. Uh, we'll be getting him in pre-season, uh, at least touch wood. Um, in terms of other recruitments, um, Jordi Crowver has signed for next year. Somehow, I don't think they're going to be picking up the phone to us. <laughs> and I'll, I don't really blame them. I'd be pretty upset if we were picking up the phone to them at this point. Um, so I don't think Jordi Crowell will be in the cash up before the end of the year, that's for sure. Um, the other two we do know are through the door, well, near enough, are Nixon Putt and Josh Sim. There was kind of rumours doing the rounds that Nixon Putt was coming early, but that was kind of, it was a bit lost in translation when in fact he was simply saying he played his last game in PNG. Um, that was just because they were playing the PNG Hunters. Um, he's playing in he's playing in Queensland. He's playing in Australia. So he's, although he's last, played his last game in Papua New Guinea, it does not mean he's played his last game in Australia. Um, but do you get on the phone to him? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. We should be on the phone to him, trying to get him up, uh, across early. Likewise, Josh Sim as well, and that's the one. That's the one I'd really be pushing for because he is a centre. He's a strike centre. We talked about him. Um, plenty in episode two. Uh, we really like the signing for next season. Uh, St. Helens youngster, scored some tries the whole last year, got a little bit of Super League, Super League experience. Would make so much sense to bring him in right now. Um, obviously, he's probably enjoying his time, his last few months in Australia before he comes over. And it's, you know, it, it's probably pretty tricky to leave there, um, to come over here. And, you know, 
also we did we don't know if there's something in his contract and both of their contracts put as well saying that if we're not in Super League next year then it's a reduction in money or maybe there's no contract there that's a possibility as well um, in that case you could understand why they wouldn't come over but Josh Sim in particular I mean it would be a great statement on his behalf I think um, and it would do wonders for him next season uh, certainly with the fan base if he could come over early and really help us in a position of need um, and help us get over the line that would be massive um, so I think Josh Sim would certainly be the one I, I'd want to get across um, in terms of others it, it's tricky isn't it I mean it, it's really tricky to go outside uh, of where we're kind of fishing there I mean Jordan Johnson came from the, from Witness it seems like Witness are having a bit of a fire sale so that kind of came at a good time and I actually think he did a, he did a half decent job I, th- I think against Lee you know there was probably one kind of fifth tackle play where he kind of got caught in possession which wasn't ideal but you know he's only been he's only been with the camp four days so you can kind of excuse that um, and Riley Dean obviously comes on loan and I think Powell probably done us a favour not bringing him back because Warren could do the half like that for sure Um I thought he was improved again. Uh, I thought he was improved from his St. Ellen's performance against Lee. Uh, I thought his defence was better. And, you know, you brought Riley Dean in for his kind of ability inside that 20-yard line. He's, he's quite incisive. He's got a very good short kicking game. What do you know? First half, he comes up with, I mean, probably the first kick through the line and, and try I can remember doing all year. We will have had a couple, but it seems very, very few and far between. Cass managed to pull one of those off. But Riley Dean does in the first half against Lee, and that's a good sign of things to come. Um but yeah, elsewhere apart from them, although I think those two signings have done a good job, you know, they're not spectacular, but they've filled a need. They're getting again, kind of round hole, round peg, that kind of thing. It, it's difficult to look elsewhere, isn't it? Because I, I don't know. And, you know, all I'm seeing on Twitter, on Twitter in particular and on Facebook as well, is casting signings, casting signings, casting signings. You know, you've got journalists saying the same thing, casting signings, casting signings. Now, give us some names. G- give me a name of someone who wants to play for Castleford right now. And is willing to come for reasonable money where you're not paying absolutely thousands above the odds, which as a club we're just not going to do, and no club should because you know you don't want to play holding you to ransom either, and that's not that's not good for the dressing room. That's not going to that's not going to improve the team. I just want a name. Just give me a name of someone who can realistically come in. The fact of the matter is, there's just not many. There is just not many, and yeah, I really hope I'm wrong. And I come off the podcast and we've signed this class centre from the NRL. You know, why not? But realistically it ain't going to happen and you know people obviously using using Wakefield as the example because they're in the same boat as us the signs they've made as I said Griffin has come in because he's already signed for next season I'm sure we're on the phone to Nixon Putt I'm sure we're on the phone to Josh Sim um, they are they will be talking to these players we can <laughs> you can doubt it all you want but we are still the professional organisation they will have considered that I, I'm not saying this for the first time this will have been discussed at the club this week for sure especially with Jordan Turner going down and then you look at the other signs Wakefield brought in. It's David Fafita and it's Luke Gale. It, it's 30, 30 somethings. It's David Fafita as a club legend. You know, we don't really have anyone in that bracket still playing who could come in and do a job at this point. They probably got lucky that Dave was only, only here last season. Uh, and Gailey, you know, he, he's knackered, isn't he? <laughs> With all due respect to Gailey, I love him because, you know, for what he did for us all, over those years. But I mean, doubtful he's going to be able to put more than two games together this season and who knows maybe, maybe we ask the question of him as well he's not really positioned a need for us is it but it's that calibre of player who's like way he's, they're still past it even if Gaylor's had a couple of games together he's still a past it player he went to Keithley and then I mean he left Keithley for God's sake um, 
the caliber player we need to improve this team is not very readily accessible right now. It's as simple as that. And you can understand why they don't want to come into this battle. So maybe we will just be forced into blowing huge money on someone who doesn't, isn't really worth it. Is that better? Is, is that better? I'm sure some fans will say, oh, well, at least they're trying. But you've got to have a bit of common sense as well. You've got to have a little bit of common sense. I, I don't really see the sense of just blowing money for the sake of it. Um, what I would say as well, and there is a question later on. In fact, I'll just answer it now because it is very, very similar. Uh, Bradley Smith, because it's in the same, it's in the same boat. Uh, also similar to a question we had last week. Um, we've lost Smith, Vete. Uh, sorry, we've lost Smith. Vete hasn't played many games. Matagi may or may not be gone. Lawler and Massey both injured. Any chance of a prop till the end of the year? We did talk about forwards last week. Um, anyone who read Matt Shaw's piece the other day knows we are looking at props. We are trying to get props. I mentioned Patrick Mago on the podcast before that piece came out. We have spoke to Wigan about him for sure. I think we got a bit unlucky in the timing of that because Cade Ellis um, got done for a red card in the cup and therefore had a bit of a ban. I think around that time we were looking at Patrick Mago to bring in. It would, of course, take in the quota spot. Elsewhere, we're looking at the fella. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. I know his first name is Ava. Uh, he's at Lee, but uh, one of their big props, obviously, was at Lee Dryers before that. We've also inquired about him. So we are trying to go get those forward as well. It's just, do the players even want to come? Do the players want to come from Lee, who are flying high in the second in the table, to come to Cass fighting in a battle? Do you want to go from Wigan, who, you know, they're in a playoff, they're in a challenge got semi-final. They're, they're always going to be there thereabouts. You know, and, and you've been used plenty in, um, in Matty Pete's team this year as well it's probably more the players than the clubs wanting to actually do the deals, to be fair. Um, but I have no doubt that we are actually active in the market. I think that's a fact. Not one, although it's easy as a fan, as a fan to say that we're not, we're clearly not. Da, da, da. Every journalist going has said that Cass are active in the market. It's just very difficult to get these players over the line. And we've just got to hope, we've just got to hope what we can. And um, ultimately, I'll, I would say that those, one of those two players we've got in for next year, Nixon Putt or, or Josh Sim, would, would definitely be my kind of line of approach um, going in to the rest of the year. Um, okay, a few more questions. And I'm aware some have come in while I've been recording. So some of these are going to take me completely by surprise. So that's fun. Um, Danny Tonks, how... Yeah, I can swear. How fucked out of 10 are we? Um, Hmm. <laughs> Can I no comment that one? Out of ten. Out of ten. Out of ten. Out of ten. Six. Seven. Seven. I think we're at seven. I think seven's just enough to bring us back. Uh, not enough to say we're completely dead. I think that's probably where we are. Um yeah. I think looking at it from where we were at the start of the season. Um, you probably go more, you probably look about eight or nine if you looked at it from the start of the season. But as I say, I think a lot of the panic right now is based on Wakefield rather than Cass. And what a lot of the lads at the moment uh, are putting in a fair bigger shift than what they're doing at the start of the year. And it's just a matter of maybe getting a little bit lucky because Wakefield had a little bit of that as well. Let's, let's be fair. Um, but yeah, there's still nine games left. There's still nine games left to drag it back. So we're, we're, we're not in a good spot, Danny. I, I won't lie. We're not in a good spot. And, you know, the next episode could get even worse. Who knows? They, Wakefield do play Huddersfield this week. But at the same time, we play whole, we have games, we have very winnable games. Ask me this question after the next four games and I'll have a very, very clear answer for you, I think. Um, 
I, I'm pretty sure after, well, certainly after Wakefield, I'll be able to take for staying up or not. Uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, Matt Caspan, uh, what's for your tea? Give you a break from all the rugby crap. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown here, I think. Um, honestly, I've not even thought about it. <laughs> Too much about this podcast. Um, I'm probably just going to throw something in the oven, probably just a peach or something, because I don't think I'm going to have the brain function to cook anything. Uh, after asking all of these questions, to be honest, uh, a couple more left. Um, and Aaron Newton, actually, okay, something to talk on other than relegation. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. What did you make of the quote-unquote knock-on by Wigan that gifted Wakey the win? Um, that's obviously looking back to Friday. And two, do you think we've been hard done by in our recent games, um, in brackets, poor refereeing decisions, particularly against Saints and Lee? Um, first of all, the knock-on in question um, by Wigan that gifted Wakey the win, uh, it's not a knock-on. Um, it's clearly not a knock-on. I'm watching the video as we speak. Um However, should Wakefield be beating Wigan with that team? Should Wigan be that far off it? No, not really. Um, so I'm not going to base that result from Wakefield. I'm not going to take it away from them uh, off the back of a refereeing decision. I think that's that'd be unfair, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I hope Wakefield have a similar knock on against us, and we <laughs> and we're the beneficiary of that, and we, we win the game. Um, I'm not going to knock them too much for that. Um, but I think the second part of your question is interesting uh, from a wider perspective, not, not to cast, to be honest. Uh, do you think we've been hard done by in our recent games, poor reference decisions, particularly Saints and Lee? Um, in terms of particularly Saints and Lee and being hard done by, I think it would have been very, very difficult to win either of those games if we'd had the perfect refereeing performance, to be fair. And that's not so much about us. That's so much against, you know, we've played two very, very, very good teams there, I think. And it, we're just a better side than us. They're just a better side than us this season. It's as simple as that. Um, but in terms of refereeing generally, it, it's a big talking point at the minute, isn't it? The, the, I'm seeing a lot. I saw a little bit on Twitter just before I actually started recording. Um, a big think piece about abuse um, to referees, which I'll never condone, by the way. Um, I really think refereeing, and please listen to what I'm about to say. This is not me slating any of the referees in particular right now. I really think refereeing is going to be the silent killer of the league or has the potential to be. Uh, you know, people talk about obviously everything IMG is doing and like crowds and, you know, we're, we're fixated on attendances, you know, and, and viewing figures and all this. I think there's a considerable issue that no one's talking about. And that's the fact that the game just does not have any referees. <laughs> there are very, very, very few referees in rugby league in the grand scheme of things. It's, it's difficult. Um, I can't really knock the ones that do it too much. Um, do I think the quality has reduced from kind of 10, 20, 15 years ago? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it has. But I'm still not going to knock them because they're the ones who are actually putting their hand up to do it. There's a, a real issue. Um, I mean, there's an issue with kind of people playing rugby league full stop, to be fair, in terms of participation. Obviously, that's considerably down where it was 20 years ago. But if you imagine, if there's less people wanting to play, especially from like a, a young age, uh, in this country, imagine how few want to referee. Um, you know, especially when there's consistent cases of abuse and all that kind of stuff. I think in 10, 15 years, we're going to be in a real hole uh, in terms of referees. And there could be many examples of kind of games and literally not be able to go ahead because we've not got referees or having to use junior referees or referees simply not ready for this standard. Uh, and that's what the ultimate issue is. I, I, 
I'm not I'm not going to buy into this idea that you know any referee is biased or anything like that. You know, you get a five game ban. Ask Josh Griffin. Um, but can you say that the quality is not where it was? Yeah, I think I think you can. And some of them even admitted themselves because a lot a lot now a lot of the referees now are probably thrown in before they're ready, and they because they have to be. They're just they're just the most senior referees, but they're not as senior as they used to be, and that's just due to the, there's just not many of them. Um, so I, I do kind of go on their side to an extent, and you know, there's been some bad decisions this year. There has been some bad ones. Um, we have been on the end of a few. Um, I would say I, I don't think it's resulted in too many losses. Really, I think you know that's been our own fault, and I'm not. I'm not going to blame a referee for the situation we're in. Um, but there has been some bad ones and some weird ones as well, which is a a, a, a straight. It's, it's annoying, really. <laughs> They're just annoying, you know. Things that are penalised that you know haven't been penalised in the past, and you know we, we're on the we're on the receiving end. But at the same time, I'm not watching six games a week. I'm sure there's plenty in, in every game. And like I say, you started off saying about Wigan and Wakefield. That's that's a terrible one, and that has ultimately decided the game. But yeah, there's a real issue of refereeing in general, and again, I'm not really going to just, I'm not going to sit here and slate the referee. Um, I'm not even going to name the referee who did it. It's not fair. Like I, I think you know, the standards just aren't good anymore. Um, and I think the RFL and Super League really need to get a grip of this. And you know, the, the other line thing is, you know, the guy who's in charge of the referees was suspended a year ago, um, and they announced they were going to investigate that seven months ago, and there's still nothing nothing been said about Mr. Steve Ganson. So, you know, I don't even know who's actually in control of the referees at the moment. I don't even know who's their boss. It'll be someone at the RFL. It's probably Robert Hicks, I would imagine, because he works for the RFL, but he's also the RFL's head of legal, I think. So he's actually got a day job within the RFL besides refereeing, besides dealing with the officials. So it probably shows where the game's at, to be fair. Um, and I don't know for sure Robert Hicks is in that role, but it would kind of make sense. Um, yeah, refereeing, we all hate it, don't we? But it's one of those things. Uh, I do have a little bit of sympathy. Do a little bit of sympathy. I think the game really has to get a grip of that uh, and work out where we're at. Um, okay, is there any more? Is there any more? At uh, one point, I did want to bring up, um, which I, I will not the club for a little bit, because I'm sure you're all, and there's some of you grumbling away. You know, ah, it's been too kind to the club, isn't it? Um, too many warm beers. Far too much warm beer at the ground. You know, if we can't get it out on the field, at least, you know, certain elements of it needs to be a little bit improved. I, I won't lie. I was obviously, I was at the league game on Friday. I went with somebody not being in a little while. And um, there's only so much, you know, lukewarm Carlin and stuff you can drink. You know, you, you know you're selling X amount of beer at a cast game. You know, it's going to be a fair amount. You know, it's, it's a, pretty basic refreshment on a warm day when it's 25 degrees on a Friday night. Um, I know it all comes down to money and things, but in a way, and I think I tweeted about this on Friday night as well, it, that's almost more of an indictment on the club for me than what's on the field at the moment. For one thing, I don't think what's on the field at the minute is worse or anywhere near what it was kind of four or five months ago. Um, I think there is improvement there, but yeah, I'm not really seeing it off the field. And, you know, whether we're just kind of resting on the laurels until we can get this planning application through, I, I don't know. And, you know, there's clearly cost-cutting going on. Um, but, yeah, little things like the, the like really warm beer and stuff and just 
you know, car machine's not working every so often. I, yeah, yeah, the car machine didn't work for me on Friday, as it happens. And just, just things like that, just kind of basic kind of hospitality things. It, it just looks bad, to be honest. It look, And the thing is, fans like myself, you know, I'm very glass half full. I'm very positive. You all know that by now. I want to give the club every chance in every in every possibility. It makes it tough. Don't the, the little things, the, the easy wins, the easy wins for the club are what are what really lets it down sometimes. I think, and it makes it difficult for people even who want to be positive to be positive. And you know, I'm I think as I said on Twitter, as I say, I mean, I'm talking about beer, but I'm not talking about form beer really. I'm talking about you know the general off field run of the club. It, it, it's a little bit. You wouldn't see it elsewhere. Some of it, uh, and that's a shame. Uh, that that is a, that is a real shame. And you know, I listened to one, one thing I would really recommend as I think it's called Secrets to Success uh, with Nasser Hussain on the Sky Sports Channel or Sky Documentaries. Recently, spoke to a lot of um, coaches and managers and that kind of thing from around sports. Um, and Toto Wolf, who's the principal of uh, Mercedes. Um, Mercedes GP uh, in Formula One. He has a really interesting story kind of when he went to Mercedes for the first time, you know, this, you know, high-powered team, you know, Lewis Hamilton, expectant success, all this kind of stuff. And the thing that stood out to him when he first got there and the thing he changed first and foremost was the fact that there was an out-of-date newspaper on the table when he went for his interview and uh, an old uh, teacup uh, that had not been, not been cleaned away. And, um, you know, I don't know if the teacup had, like, Mercedes branded on it or whatever. It was just a kind of a teacup. And that was the first thing he said he'd change. It wasn't anything to do with the car. It wasn't anything to do with directing Lewis Hamilton. It wasn't anything to do about, you know, picking certain races to win. Nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with the grid. Nothing to do with the car. Nothing to do with on-field. Well, you know, the equivalent of on-field. It was getting your house in order from day dot and acting professionally behind the, uh, behind the scenes and off-field. And I think his kind of point was you get that right and everything else kind of falls into place and everything everything else becomes a habit around the place. And I think it's the little things that the fans can really appreciate as well, which obviously is a bit of a bonus. But if you get the little things right, it can really kind of, it's a butterfly effect. It's a butterfly effect and ultimately on the field that will reap the benefits eventually. And I'm aware I've been very metaphorical there, but... I think there's a point to that. Uh, I think there's a point to that somewhere. You can find it. There, there is a, there is a point to that. Um, so yeah, warm beer, tot it out, please. Uh, a couple of fridges would not go amiss. A couple of fridges that actually work would be sound. Or no, maybe just put them in the fridge earlier. That that might work. Who knows? Um, yeah, weird note to end on, but I, I think I kind of got my point across to a certain degree there. Um, thank you very much for all the questions. I did just kind of dive in on this one because. I'd have lost the plot otherwise, I think. But, you know, I think my my overall point is just kind of, you know, kind of look after yourself first and foremost, because uh, especially I'm talking to people on social media at this point. Like, I get it. We're extremely frustrated. You know, you never want to be 11th, all that kind of thing. Just just take a breath, though. I mean, just, just, just you know, just we all love the club. You know, you don't have to prove that you love the club more than anyone else by slating the club more than anyone else. We get it. Like, everyone loves the club. Everyone wants the club to be in a better place. Everyone wants signings. Everyone wants etc. Et and newsflash that nothing's going to happen because you've tweeted or because you've put it on Facebook. Uh, it'll happen because it needs to happen behind the scenes because professionals have said, yes, this is what we're going to do. Um, 
I just don't think it'd be good. I don't think it can be good for many years mental health to be honest to be that far along. But you know, knock yourself out, and if if that's how you get through the day, fair enough. Um, but yeah, we're all, we're all we're all in it together. Ultimately, we are all in this together, and um, you know, I personally don't think slating them all day is the right way to go about it. And you know, threatening to kind of you know we won't be here next year if we go down, all that kind of stuff, you know. That kind of feeling, you know, I, I assume a lot of it is just kind of, it's not real, to be honest. It, it, it's not real. And, you know, even if we were to go down next year, you know, you get a fix, you get a fixture list of 12 games, Sunday, three o'clock down the lane, and it's 25 degrees, you, you, you're probably going to go down, let's be fair. Um, but the joy this club has given everyone who supported it over the last, particularly the last kind of 15 years, 10, 15 years, you know, it, if people had not followed Cass when times were tough in 2004, in 2006, before that, uh, after that as well, Ian Millwood years, those kind of things, if people had not stood by the club, we would not have had the last few years we've had. That that would not exist. I mean, and you've got to think, as particularly the people who live in Cass, I mean, the town's bad enough as it is. Can you imagine the Castleford without the Tigers? Really? I don't want to imagine that. I don't want to imagine that. So, a little bit of a plea, but... You know, we, we pride ourselves on loyalty as a fan base. And though it's tough, don't get me wrong, it's really, really, really tough at the moment. And I understand why crowds have dipped. I understand why there's so much stuff on social media. I, I really do. And, you know, even the people I, I wish would calm it a little bit, I, I still I still do get it to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, we, we, we pride ourselves on being the most loyal fan base in the game. Let's, like I said, th- those players in the fields, I said in episode one, they weren't good enough as a squad, but it's not their fault. They're all in the change room together. They weren't put together. They've been put together after three years of mismanagement. The players on the field, I wanted effort in episode one. That was three months ago. I think we've got that. I really do think we have got that. Um, we're not going to win every game. We're not going to beat Saints away. You know, We're not necessarily going to beat the informed team who are second in the league at home, even at home. But we are going to mix it up for a little bit and then we're going to pick a game which we can win when we play teams at the bottom of the league and then we're going to have a go. And I truly believe that's when we're going to pick up the wins that will get us over the line. And for the love of God, I hope one of those wins is at Bellevue because, yeah, maybe I'll come with you. No, I'm kidding. Um, Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Again, it's been a little bit of a plea today. A little bit of a, you know, I'm probably shouting in the wind to a certain degree, but here we are. It's got to happen. Thank you for all the questions you sent in. It's been a little bit ad hoc, but there we are. Yeah. Enjoy whole on Saturday. Bye.